Today's episode is brought to you by Condition One. While stationed in Africa, U.S. Marine Matt DeMaio faced his toughest challenge yet, his diet. Like many Marines, Matt wasn't eating real food on a daily basis. As a result, he had constant fatigue and low energy. What he needed was the perfect performance balance, a well-rounded protein bar made from real food. One packed with a full spectrum of amino acids and protein with complex carbs and healthy fats for substance, energy, muscle fatigue prevention, and more. So Matt teamed up with a nutritionalist and Condition One was born. From soldiers and gym lovers to those with active lifestyles, C1 can help you reach your fitness goals without the dry, chalky taste. And to honor his military roots, every C1 purchased helps veteran nonprofits. Condition One is exclusively offering our listeners 10% of their next online purchase. Head over to gocondition1.com and use the code POD10 to get your protein bar today. another episode of the so-called Oreos podcast, the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. I'm one of your hosts, Amari, here with Kia Swinton, Rachel Fowler, and Janae Price. Hey guys. So how's everyone doing this week? Um... I'll go if anyone else wants to go. <laughs> um, I'll go because I have a quick update. Because um, last episode we were talking about um, the world being up in the air with like jobs and other stuff, and I was not in a good like grounding spot. Um, so then, you know, a couple of days after that, my company had layoffs. I was laid off, and I, at first I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, leading up to that, I was just like in a kind of a rut. Like I didn't know what was going to happen, and just it was a lot of deciding factors such as like where I was going to live, where I was going to work, what was I going to do day to day. And then when it happened, I actually didn't feel any type of sadness. Like I didn't cry. I didn't feel any like type of remorse. I was more so like disappointed in like humanity and like the reasoning and how they did it. But I actually feel like a huge weight is like lifted off my shoulder. And I feel like probably one of the best weeks I've felt like during the pandemic, like the week after that, which is odd because I didn't think I would feel that way. But I do. So I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, even though it's not a great situation, I still feel like internally very good. That's good. That's good. That is really good. I think after I, I got laid off due to the pandemic, too, back in May. Um, and I, ha- I had a very similar feeling. I was sad about it for a half a second. There was definitely a feeling of like, what am I going to do? what's going to happen. And then right after that, I was kind of like, you aren't happy there anyway. It's time to figure out what you want to do and where you'd be happy and kind of freestyle it. So can definitely identify with that Kia. Yeah, it was, it was odd. Um, but it was a good thing. So, um, even like in turmoil, it's like good to feel like grounded and centered, um, when you can't control like all these outside forces. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
My interesting news this week is that uh, UNC had its first week um, back to school and they were doing hybrid courses. So, you know, some courses were online, some were like in person. And after a week, there was a spike in infection rates of COVID-19. Who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> it went from like 2.4 to 13.9 in a week. So <laughs> all undergrad classes are now online and they're trying to de like densify campus so kids are just like leaving and it's kind of like, well, yeah, you didn't test anyone. You just brought us all to Chapel Hill. And did was they like, have to like, um, did they have to quarantine or like stay six feet apart or like what were like the qualifications? So, yeah, you had to say you had to stay six feet apart. But I mean, you're walking outside people. I, I didn't go on campus, but I heard most people had masks on for the most part. Um, and people who are infected are now being like um, they're quarantined at like various hospitals and chapel not hospitals well i don't know maybe there are people in hospitals um various hotels in chapel hill and they're like being provided food but i don't know some people were tweeting from those hotels and that did not look like sustenance that looked like crackers and cheese so i don't know if they're getting different meals (laughs) but it's just a shit it's a shit show yeah they need to figure that like that out soon like it's august like we've had so many months school is about to go back for like very young kids and like the fact that we haven't figured this out is like insane we need to just figure it out and it's frustrating because they like health experts were saying use the summer months when people more people can be outside to contain the virus so that you don't have to worry about it so much during uh cold and flu season and now cold and flu season is staring us in the face and we're all like getting ready to go back inside um, and it's just like frustrating because um, this didn't have to be. <laughs> you're looking, we're looking at other countries, and it didn't have to be this way. Italy got through it, and Italy was a mess before. So, yeah, um, it's insane. Like, hopefully, and people cannot like have to realize like we cannot be out in like house parties in the winter. Like, we need to go back to socially distancing in the winter. Yeah, the videos circulating of people at parties um, around like. At UNC, but, like, different campuses with, like, no masks, nothing. And I'm just, who raised you people? (laughs) (laughs) They're crazy parents who are doing the same thing. That's true. That's true. Like, it ain't real. Take that mask off. (laughs) (laughs) Any other updates from Rachel or Janae? Just that the country's a mess. I'm a little stressed out because, you know, we don't know if there's going to be any more government aid for New York State, any extra unemployment. Um, I live in New York City. My severance has run out. So, you know, um, but that's about it. That's all. This place is a mess. I'm really looking into leaving this country, trying to become a citizen. Same. I literally texted my best friend today and she was like, what, what's the update? And I was like, yeah, I got laid off. And like, if I stay in the country, I'll stay in New York. And she's like, if, and I'm like, yes, if, if, if I stay here. If, if. But that's it. That's all. Y'all. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Rich. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, all is well over here. Man, Georgia. You know, in the ATL. Yeah, all is well. Okay. All is well in the ATL like that. Um, okay, well, I'll get into this weekend Black history. The 
This week in Black History, August 23rd, 1861, James Stone, a light-skinned fugitive slave, passing for white, enlisted in the Army two years before African Americans were allowed to join the Union Army. He's recognized as the first African American Union soldier, and his racial identity would not be known until his death nearly a year later. Then we have August 29, 1962. Mal Good became the first African American television news commentator when he began broadcasting on ABC. Um, so that's some history facts for y'all. Um, you know, you can read the title of this episode, which is why I picked the first fact about James Stone, who passed as a white person joining the Union Army. And then I also picked the second fact because I feel like a lot of our topic with colorism has to do with media. And so I just wanted to give a fact about media. And there you go for this week in black history. This week, I'm highlighting a writer, director. I don't know if it's Naya or Nia. Probably should have looked this up before I (laughs) came to record. (laughs) I'm just going to call her Nia. Nia DaCosta. Um, A couple weeks ago, it was announced that the Candyman and Littlewoods director was tapped to direct Marvel's sequel to Captain Marvel, making her the first Black woman to direct a Marvel film. We love to see it. Uh, At only 30 years old, she's a New York native, um who is only a few years out of uh, out of college. She went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. Um, and what I found particularly most inspiring about her story is that while she was working as a TV production assistant, her script for Little Woods was chosen for the 2015 uh, Sundance Screenwriters and Directors Lab. And she was able to raise money for it through a Kickstarter. So I just thought, you know, we love to see black women winning and uh, she's definitely doing that. So I'm excited for whenever that (laughs) post-COVID movie comes out. Um, Yeah. So if you guys didn't already peep the title of this week's episode, we are talking about colorism. Guys, when I tell you we have been discussing this issue and how we could do it on the podcast for like a year it's literally been like on the top of our discussion lists um and we just decided to to take it on this week um so for those of listeners who don't know the definition the textbook uh dictionary definition of colorism is prejudice or discrimination especially within a racial or ethnic group favoring people with lighter skin over those with darker skin um so yeah that's just the definition but i know janae has some examples in everyday life that um kind of highlight the issues of colorism yeah um we thought it was really important to add just everyday small things that people do that they don't necessarily realize is colorism um i thought it was important to highlight this because i've been around so many black people that have done this type of thing and and everyone just agrees with it i remember one example i'm going to tell you guys is you know saying that someone is more or less attractive because of their skin tone um For example, I was in Bible school one Sunday and we were talking about like Chris Brown or something like this. And and one of the girls in the group was basically like, I don't like light skinned boys. And then some of the other girls are like, what? Light skinned boys are the most attractive. And I was just sitting there like, why is this a conversation? So once again, saying someone is more or less attractive specifically because of their skin tone is a good example of colorism. Or 
saying that you would never date someone who is darker than you or that you don't want to have kids that are too dark. Once again, examples of colorism or something as seemingly ridiculous, but as simple as being afraid of getting darker in the summertime, you know, like wanting to carry around a hat or umbrella because you're afraid of getting a tan. Once again, small examples of colorism that I think so many of us have experienced throughout our lives. Yeah. yeah. And we'll go into like more, obviously, like in-depth examples in a second. But that was a good take because I think a lot of people don't see like small, common things like that with like dating and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we can we can definitely deep dive, y'all. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was interesting because I've been pretty vocal about my opinions on issues of colors and on uh, social media. And I remember posting something a few weeks ago and someone had said that they wish they, that I didn't, you know, put that out there so blatantly because it gave white people a reason to see us like as infighting. Um, and like, my, <laughs> we don't need to go into who's, but um, we had, we ended up having a, you know, a decent rapport about it and a discussion about it. Um, I mean, although it, you know, it is difficult as a dark skinned girl for someone who is of lighter skin to be like, don't talk about this issue because we don't want white people to think that like we're, we're not unified. But I, I don't give a fuck what white people think and don't like black people should stop. That's so fucking stupid. Like how stupid. I feel like the same people who say that are the same people who say we shouldn't say that black trans lives matter when we're talking about the black lives matter movement. And like, I brought, I brought that up in like in defense of talking about it. Cause I was like, you know, if we're going to do this thing, we need to protect our most marginalized members. And like, that would be black trans people. That would be, you know, darker skin people. If you look at statistics, the way they are discriminated against. Um, and I also, I was like, you know, to me, colorism isn't just a black issue. It's a white issue because how do you think we got colorism? We got that through colonization. We got that through slavery. Um, and, you know, so, you know, just for people who want more like context, historical context um, around that. So back in the slave days, um, when colorism kind of began, uh, you saw lighter skinned slaves were given more domestic work within the slave owner's home. Meanwhile, darker skinned slaves were regulated to the more grueling field work. Uh, and slaves with lighter skin were seen more favorably because, um, unsurprisingly, they came, they were the product of rape, because um, let's call it what it is. Um, and were seen closer to white. So they kind of got, they were favored, they got favoritism of that. And we saw that after slave days kind of bleed into society, bleed in within um, just the community, you know, lighter skin is like lighter skin is preferable, lighter uh, eyes, uh, straighter hair, all things that are closer to Euro, like Eurocentric features. Um, so those are just some of the ways that that shows up. And that's some historical context for those who, who weren't sure how um, colorism started. Yeah. And we I mean, black people know this is a thing, but I know like if white people are listening, they don't really, you know, probably I know. You I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, if white people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know white people listen, but I, I'm sure they don't know the whole aspect of like, what's a house slave versus like a field slave and like the colorism and stuff. So, but yeah, we, we see black people see it in their culture still and like the jokes and stuff. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting because like in my family, that's something that we always make jokes about being like, a house Negro or a field Negro. And because in my family, 
listeners, in case you guys haven't heard me say this a million times, um, I'm tall, I'm larger, and most of the people in my family are tall and larger. Um, So we always wonder, although we're very light, very fair people, we always wonder whether we would be house slaves or field slaves. I guess it's kind of a weird thing to like wonder about or to talk about if you be is that, I've never it's how you make of it though like you know it's like all we can do now is just like joke, you know I guess I don't know. my favorite is when like I'm talking to in conversation with people and there's like a mixed group and you know there's like some light people in there and I'm like well we know y'all would be in the house and I would be in the field and everyone just shuts up and I think it's the funniest thing ever because you can't really <laughs> You can't really argue. <laughs> like, you, like, no, Mar, you would have. But I mean, either, either way, you, you would have been in the house, girl. <laughs> like, no. I mean, like, either way, you slice it. You know. You. I mean, grit. You don't want to be in either because slavery is bad, and you're either in the house because someone in your family was raped, and that's why you're in there, or you're like out burning in the sun. You really lose, lose. And at the end of the day, colonization. It's bad people. Is there a fact of like maybe it's easier to run away in the field though? No, <laughs> like, because there's no because there's people on horses and they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm I'm just thinking shit. If I'm in that field, bitch, I'm running. Like, yeah, you fast? Hell yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's. <laughs> Here we are like, theorizing about how we would. But I was just saying, like, I'm just thinking about the Harriet movement. I mean, Harriet's movement movie and um, how they ran and how she tried to, like, had to get Rachel from the house and talk to her. But I'm like, if, if you were outside, maybe it'd be easier to run. I was trying to try to get some uh, enlightenment from maybe there is a, 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 a benefit, but maybe there was no benefit. Never mind. Honestly, to keep it a buck, and this is going to sound dark, but I do not mean it to sound dark. So darkness warning. Darkness warning. I think if I lived back there, I would off myself. Oh. Oh, hell oh, yeah. 100%. I would have to, like, age twelve. <laughs> I hope people get our humor, too, because I feel like I some people are so sensitive. But, like, obviously we're, you know, talking about this, but we're trying to make the best of it. But, no, sometimes I look and see stories and I'm like, dude, I can't make it through that. I don't know. I don't know how our ancestors did it because. Yeah. Bye. I'm too soft. Am I, are you going to say something? I was going to say I'm a very <laughs> soft person and I'm very weak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would probably say my first reaction would be to you know just say goodbye to life but also i i don't like the unknown so i can also see myself tapping into like that one gene where i'm like nah my ass is getting out and i'm about to do everything so i don't know but again i'm, I'm really- either gonna be in the slave riots or i would if i was still light i would honestly do what they did in, in harriet again and they were white passing because they were mixed. Okay, because this is colorism, let's talk about passing, because I feel like that's another thing. A lot of white people, too, for our white listeners, our white listeners, um, don't know what passing is. So does anyone want to... passing is Halsey, who is, like, 25% black, and she looks white as hell. That's white passing. Mm. Sorry, we went to the same high school, so I had to just (laughs) bring that up. (laughs) Um, I actually have an interesting story about um, passing. I don't remember all of the details, but I know the basics that um, I think it was like my great 
great, great grandmother on my mom's side, they passed um, and they were able to like sneak up to Canada for a while. Um, like I said, I don't know all the details. I just know basically like my great, 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 great grandma. She looked white as hell and was like, he's going to Canada for a while. Um, that actually she- happened in my family too. Wow. See? Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember who it was, but it was someone on my mom's side and my mom told me the story. I think it was my grand, someone related to my grandmother, like one of her siblings, and she was white passing, and she like had made people believe she was white, and she had moved like far away, like married this white man, and like I think her family came to you know see her, and and she acted like she didn't know them because she didn't want you know them to know that she was black, but this is such a common story, obviously, because um, and it and it sucks because you don't want to like not embrace your heritage, but back then you know we know how black people are treated in this country. We know how they were treated in this country. And if, if you could pass, like it's life and death, like sadly, that's what people had to do, which really sucks because you don't get to embrace anything of your culture, but it's survival. And that's just how it was. Yeah. There's a really good book called passing. Um, and they're making it into a movie. Um, I think with like Tessa Thompson and Ruth something. She's an Irish actress. Um, and I really suggest people reading that book. It's really good. It talks about two light-skinned women who one dis- who grew up together, but in their adulthood, one decides to pass and she marries a racist white man. Mm. Um, and the other one decides to, um, you know, still be who she is um, and present as a black woman. And she marries a black man and they come together in their adulthood. And it's just like, them just like kind of like trying to understand each other um, and make sense of the world around them. And I really suggest people um, read that book. Um, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I, sorry. No, sorry. Gonna say, no, I was just going to say like, I understand that what it's obviously I understand wants to be like a, a black person. Um, but I guess my tolerance for passing becomes uh like I become less tolerant of it the more we go in to. So like, I think it's like one thing to pass during slave times, um, like one thing to pass in like the 1920s, whatever. But like, as we get to like the 19, like fifties and sixties and what, like back, I like understand still the going to the other side because of how that makes life easier. But I also am just like, do people do that now, though? I feel like that's not yeah. common now. And I'm curious about y'all's definition of white passing, because when I think about white passing, I think about someone who definitely passes out as white, but not may not identify as being white. So physically, they look racially ambiguous or white, but they, if you were to ask them, they would say, they would or maybe would not say, no, I am X, Y, and Z. So I'm curious as to what y'all's definition of white passing is. Is it just that you pass as white and claim whiteness? Or is it the act of you look white? I think it's just you have to pass as white. Like, I think it's like you walk down the street and everyone would be like, she's white, she's white, she's white, she's white. Like, like Meghan Markle. Like, when my family, my parents told me she wasn't white, I was like, are y'all sure? Because, I mean, I wasn't trying to, like, question her race because I hate when people do that to me. But but she's very white passing. She has straight hair. She has very fair skin. Same with Rashida Jones. She is very white passing. I did not know 
that she was mixed. And what I think what they have in common, too, is that I don't know what Rashida Jones refers to herself as, but I've never heard Meghan Markle call herself a black woman. She always specifically says, I'm a woman of color. And I think you have people who will pass. And it's not until someone asks them about their racial, um, like their racial background, that they'll be like, oh, I'm, you know, like my my like my father is black or like whoever is black yeah. and i feel like there's because i knew a lot of people even in high school and college who everyone thought were italian or like hispanic um and it wasn't until i was like no like you 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 know they're black right and i didn't realize that like everyone around us just had like no clue yeah. um i think I, white passing is is just as nuanced as being an oreo though i think it's a situation where a lot of people don't just go on and ask you what you are racially until they have reason to suspect. What do you mean? What? What? No, opposite, opposite, opposite. (laughs) That is the exact opposite of what happened. I'm confused. What? People people do that all the time. People up front always ask you, what are you? Janae, you know this happens because people do it to you. I'm talking about a white passing person, though. I'm talking about a person who looks white. If someone looks white and they're going about this world with everyone thinking that they're white, people aren't going to ask them that they're uh, white. So yeah, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like all the time, I'm black, I'm black. No, yeah. That's what I'm saying. My best friend's white passing. And it's a very nuanced thing where it's kind of like, does she constantly want to be like black power Ungawa? because people are going to look at her like she's crazy and argue with her about her damn race. I'm upset you just made up that word. (laughs) (laughs) But if you ask her, she will tell you. But other than that, it's a very nuanced thing where people are constantly like, you're not black, you're white, you're Italian. And and we can get into that um, a a little later, but Amari, do you want to, just, I know you had some thoughts about like um, products and marketed in different countries, and also you, uh, Indian matchmaker. Mm, yeah. You to just like, comp- because I do think it's important to say like colorism isn't just in the black community. No, I mean, again, well, because the white people be colonizing everyone. So, like, <laughs> if we look at Asian countries, if we look at, you know, Latin countries, um, it, the, the, the trauma is deep. And so, you know, last semester for school, I was doing a project on Shane Moisture. I was doing a case study and Shane Moisture is owned by Unilever, Unilever, Unilever. I don't know what the hell they're Unilever, called. Unilever, yeah. Yes. Um, but I was doing some research and I found out that Unilever also owns, which owns like companies like Dove and Axe and all these big names, also owns uh, a skin whitening um, company called Fair and Lovely. And that just really pissed me off um, because for those of you who don't know, like skin whitening sounds what like does what it sounds like it does. Um, and it'll bleach your skin. Here's like an interesting stat from a 2019 article from Vogue. And it says by the year 2027, I can't even say numbers, 2027, what, what, 20, is that what it'll be like that? 2020, I don't know. You guys get it. I'm struggling. By 2027, the skin whitening market will be worth $24 billion. Um, And that's really alarming and sad to me because you're um, perpetuating this idea that in order to be deemed beautiful, you have to be fair. Um, And, you know, a recent... 
I know it was really popular, you guys, and just like I love a good matchmaking, a good love show, um, and as an outside person who um, I there is a level of curiosity for me about the uh, Indian matchmaking and like wedding industry because of how big it is um, and just. So I watched it, but I really struggled through the show because of how blatant the colorism was and how everyone was like, whoever they were going to be matched with needed to be light. Um, And that just like really, and I, again, I don't understand, you know, the nuances and the detail of the caste system and how that works. Um, So I can't, you know, I don't want it to come off like I'm, like I'm harshly judging. Um, But as someone who doesn't understand that, that just came off really, um, it was just really off putting to me. And I had to like multiple times pause the show and walk away because as a black skinned person, as a dark skinned person, it was really hard just to see people just be tossed aside because they were considered too dark. Yeah. So in terms of Indian matchmaker, I also was like a little disturbed by the whole, like she's great. She's a great option because she's fair. Um, and I was just taken aback by that. Cause I, I knew it was something in like Indian culture, but I didn't know it was such a huge factor still. Um, and then when I saw Crystal from the read tweet about it, people were like, Oh, I thought they meant fair. Like she's like a fair person. Like she's an equal opportunist, but a lot of people didn't know that like they meant fair, like light skin. Um, but I do think it's important to highlight that it's not just black culture that it is very prominent like Indian culture in China they don't want to get tan so they walk around with umbrellas and stuff like that it's um it's an and it's a lot of other cultures as well obviously we can talk more about it being a black culture but I do think it's something that other cultures need to address and in terms of like fair and lovely it's also highly marketed in Africa which is just disgusting that um something like that is marketed in Africa but I mean like it's my family is Jamaican and like growing up you know they had billboards and I would see them when we would go visit over the summers um and there's actually this really good book by Nicole Dennis Ben called I think it's I believe it's Under the Sun uh no Here Comes the Sun I'm sorry um and it you know it discusses about um uh skin bleaching the skin bleaching culture in Jamaica and like you know, I think of artists like Vibes Cartel, who's very popular, but the man does not even look human at this point. His skin is just gray from all the bleaching. Um, and it's just like really disappointing because when I think of Jamaican culture, I think of like people that are very like into their blackness, but also like just like the African diaspora. So like to see how that kind of bleeds into it. Um, it's just like, damn. Yeah, and you know, as our resident K-pop fan, this is definitely been a trend in Asian culture too. I mean, Kim Namjoon, who's the leader of BTS, he openly talked about his own insecurities, kind of being like the darkest member of BTS. But really, he's not even dark. His skin tone is very—I don't know, like it's a shade of honey, basically. And he talked about feeling very insecure about being dark and it's actually insane because it's like you're not dark in the in this fungus. Um so yeah, as to echo what you guys said, it's definitely a thing in other shades, POC everywhere. Colonization has seeped its ugly fangs into the world. Okay. 
Yeah, so my personal experience um, growing up, um, people always pointed out like my skin color, my hair, and then I it kind of made me feel uncomfortable, and especially coming from like older men. Um, and also like in, in grade school from like, you know, jokes, jokes about like, you know, your, your mom is so black and um, seeing other kids get picked on because of their, their, their features or skin color, um, whether if their nose were a certain size or their, their lips and seeing that, um, that was, you know, just a little heartbreaking because it's like, I have family members who are dark skin, you know, and seeing that you know, my friends, even my friends getting picked on because of like how they looked. And um, I think a lot of, for for me seeing like a lot of kids like laughing it off and like having comebacks, but being, being older and like thinking about witnessing that as a adolescent. And then I just can't help but think about what that my friend's thought going home, being alone. And then we have like media representation, how um, the light-skinned women are usually the lead characters. And then you have the, and the light-skinned women are usually successful. They have it all together. You know, they're likable. And then the dark-skinned women, who's usually portrayed as like sassy, talkative, undesirable, and desperate when it comes to finding love. Um, for example, Nikki Parker from The Parkers, uh, Dijanae from The Proud Family, and Pam from Martin and how, you know, the, the, how these kind of like these women, these characters were like put against each other just because of their features and how they, how they look because of their skin tone. Um, and, and in, in music videos, you know, like we have rappers always talking about uh, light skinned women and talk about their hair and um, how they're exotic and, and how they go for exotic and foreign women and, um, 50 Cent talking about uh, when he was on Little Wayne's podcast, talking about how he doesn't go for certain women because they're not exotic looking. And I'm just like, yo, black women are exotic. Like, what are you talking about? So that's just, you know, my experience with like colorism and what I witnessed and experienced. I just wanted to, you just you said something about the Proud family. And I just I think we all need to discuss the gross sisters and how yeah. problematic that image growing up and something I didn't even like necessarily recognize in the moment, but the fact that the darkest people on the show are blue and that is a common um, comment on dark skin. People's like, Oh, you're so dark. You're blue. Um, But they explain it. Like I went on like a very deep Google search one night and they said that the reason that they're blue is because they're so ashy because they can't afford lotion. So, so you mean to tell me that the darkest skin girls who you call gross are also poor um, and you make them mean and they're bullies. And it's just kind of like, tell us more about what you think about dark skinned people. Oh my God. I didn't know any of this until you just said that. It just made sense. Like, Oh my God, that's now I'm thinking about it. That's, and that, that's an awful explanation. Oh my God. And then, and and I think people don't even realize like the subliminal messages that you get as a kid, like you may not recognize what it means in the moment, but that shit stays with you and you internalize that. And so like to be, I was watching Proud Family, what, when I was like eight, nine, I still watch as an adult. Um, and that stuff, you know, it's like, 
we internalize and then you grow up thinking that it's okay and then as you get older like you start to like navigate the world thinking that you know something is wrong with you because of like your skin tone and the features that you have so yeah that's crazy i i'm like still like wow the gross sisters that's that's insane but because you guys talked about media i just want to do some other things about media and colorism because i feel like it's a, the main factor of like in the culture where we see this played out how you guys mentioned like um, music videos and tv shows and i think what kind of stuck out to me was um, in terms of like younger people and who's like the young black people now, I feel like it's all mixed girls or light skin girls. And that's like Zendaya, Yari Shahidi, Amanda Stamberg. And it's like the same kind of like the same concept in all these shows. And we don't even have, I'm sorry, we don't even have anyone who's like not mixed. And then we don't have any dark skin people as like the main character which is a little insane because i feel like it's the same tired like blackish like the whole like kenya barris is obsessed with his mixed wife and he has five shows about her and it's just like can we do a different show like it's not and i'm sorry i don't get how like being mixed with like curly hair is like a personality trait like that's not that doesn't make you exotic i'm sorry like i don't care if if people take that offense but that does not make you like uh, like above everyone else because you have like curly hair or something um and also recently everyone's talking about lovecraft country and maybe i just didn't pay attention to the show as much but it didn't sit well with me like the main character is light and the casting is like so off because like her entire family is dark and i'm like why not just make the girl dark skin then but maybe parent people are saying that they have different dads but it's still a reach in my opinion but i, I that's just something i mentioned and I'm not sure if we talked about this on the um, podcast, but Amari, you mentioned the thing about Hamilton, which also stuck out to me. Oh, yes, guys. Um, You can talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, I, yeah, so... I kind of sort of became obsessed with Hamilton like everyone else um, because the soundtrack is, soundtrack is dope and so is the show. But as I was watching, I was like, damn, why are all the dark-skinned people kind of evil or like morally questionable? So you have... Um, also, but mind you, they're also the most talented in that, in that whole group because Leslie Odom Jr. carried that shit, um, but he was the evil dude who kills Hamilton. Um, and then the oldest um, Skylar sister um, is the darkest sister, and she happens to be the one that's kind of, you know, interested in Hamilton while her sister is courting Hamilton. So, um, oh, and then you have uh, the actor, sorry, I... I forgot his name that plays hercules and his parts were just so tiny that like you're you're you kind of forget that he's a part of the main crew um so i just thought it was interesting that all either the darkest characters were kind of uh like splashed in there but not really or they were just like morally kind of corrupt people yeah no i definitely picked that up when i was watching this and i was like not trying to be the person that like is too woke for their own good but like it's obvious you know it's just like it's 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 kind of just blatant like in our face but i think it's important to to discuss um janae did you want to say a couple things and then i'll finish whatever else you don't say um for my own personal experience of colorism i find i'm obviously very light 
Um, I and my immediate family, besides my half sister, we are all very light, but I'm like the lightest out of all of the light skinned people in my family, other than like my aunt. Um, so growing up, I was constantly called cake mix and people were always, you know, making jokes about my lightness. Um, but other than that, I think I knew pretty early on because of my half sister, who is about Amari's complexion, close to Amari's complexion. Um, she always said something about it. Um, and to this day, I'm very, very grateful that she did because it made me, I think, realize it, it made me think more about colorism in general. And it made me realize my privilege compared to her as a light skinned girl. I think I remember there were a lot of specific instances with dating, but this one in general stood out because early on, my sister had told me that because I, I felt ugly growing up. I went to school with all white people. Obviously, this is so-called Oreos and the, the opportunities that we had dating in high school were very different than other people because we are black women who grew up in white areas who, you know, white men wasn't checking for us and the black men we went to school weren't checking for us either for the most part. So I felt ugly and I constantly talked to my sister about that. And she would say to me, you know, you're light skinned and you have freckles. Boys would be all over you in my school. And this experience was highlighted when I went to community college and there was a boy that she had had a bit of a flirtation with um, so mind you, he was a bum for being in community college because my sister's five years older than me when I was in community. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, but nothing against people that go to college later in their life. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Catch me on that. Catch, catch me on that. But anyway, but he was a bum. He was a bum. But anyway, basically we ended up finding out that he was talking about how attractive I was because I was light skinned and how she preferred to date girls like me because of my light skin. Um, and just being aware of themes like that as a lighter skinned person, I think has made me better. And it's made me once again, see how privileged I am and see, and really kind of acknowledge and analyze why I choose to date certain people. I, I, don't, I don't even know this weird thing for me where I kind of feel a little bit of guilt when I date darker skinned men because there's constantly this thing where you see light skinned women and darker skinned men. Like I, that always pops up for me every time I'm with a dark skinned man. I'm like, dang, I'm doing it again. Um, so <laughs> no, seriously, I'm like, damn, I'm perpetuating this same ass stereotype that we see everywhere. Every but pause. I think we need to talk about that a little more because, um, there's a couple of things that, that you said here, but um, is it perpe perpetuating like when you just like date because you're still dating a black person. Right. Yeah. And it's not your fault that the guy is likes you. And I would hope they don't like you just because you're light, because that is problematic. Which I have had men come up to me and say, yes, your light skin is so pretty. You're so pretty because you're light skin. I have had men say that to me so many times. I have had men say that to me too. It's very odd because I actually it's think the odd. people that say it the most happen to be black men, unfortunately, that will comment and say, hey, light skin, your skin is so, like, just the first compliment. And that's disgusting. I, I'm obviously turned off by that. And because you're basically saying if I was dark, you wouldn't talk to me. Exactly. So, 
like we have nothing to do here. It's saying um, that my lighter skin, my proximity to whiteness makes me more attractive. It makes yeah. me a valuable option for you. And, and it's disgusting. disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting because it's also like Amari said in the beginning, the only reason our skin is lighter because of history of like raping mm-hmm. and like it's a very negative and disgusting past for black people. So you commenting on someone's skin of being light and as better is just very disgusting because it, it comes back to like rape and stuff. And I think it's ignorant when people are like, oh, why are you so light? And it's like, you know why, like you're black, you know why like people are light. It's not a great history. It's, it's very ugly. So I think it's weird to like comment on that in like such a ignorant way um, but in terms of black men dating light-skinned women, um, I think also with colorism, I see it a lot with men where I feel like they they are the ones kind of like fueling this fire in terms of, like you said, dating light-skinned women, only dating light-skinned women, uh, purposely not dating dark-skinned women. I feel like they always make comments, like Rachel said, in the hip-hop songs and all this stuff like, oh, she's a red bone, da 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 And I feel like that makes darker skinned women kind of like have this negative connotation with light skinned women, which <laughs> I, I'm just saying what I see. No, I'm yeah, just I mean, what I see. I, I mean, it I, seems like people are like that because these men pr- like prefer this, that it kind of has, you have a, a negative connotation to it. And then I also feel like on the other hand, it's like, wait, I didn't say that shit. They said that dumb shit. I don't agree with that shit. I just want to make sure people don't think like this whole, um, light-skinned people think they're better than you they you know are sensitive whatever and i can do with the sensitive and the jokes and stuff but i don't want people thinking that just because i have lighter skin i think i'm better than all these women i think i'm just prettier than everyone i think i'm just all the all these things that come with it because i think it's very much largely men kind of pushing that narrative and maybe i'm biased this is just what i see i feel like men do push that narrative and it's a negative connotation i only disagree slightly like 50 percent I think, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do think largely because you're, because women, like, I mean, I've seen it perpetuated on both sides. Okay. So that's what, that's what I want to say. So I want to say like, yes, it does come from men, but at the same time, my internalized anger to, (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. I have a lot of internalized anger towards, um, light-skinned people sometimes and just colorism because one it's not only coming from dark-skinned people commenting on you know us being dark and what that means it's not only seeing dark-skinned men prefer light-skinned women it's also light-skinned women making comments on dark skin and you know also kind of sometimes like separating themselves like the whole um you can you see i mean granted i think this movie is awful but um in school days you have the light skinned black women who are all cornered together they have this kind of like highbrow mentality and you can say that's that's just perpetuating the stereotype but you know growing up there were light skinned people who would like to comment on my my skin tone and they were women so it's kind I'm of i'm not saying it doesn't happen and I, that's why i said i'm biased because i obviously i'm not going to hang out with people who do that or i'm not going to you know see those people like janae obviously doesn't do that or anyone else that i'm friends with doesn't do that but when i see it like i do see a lot of it as men kind of like we said in rap and stuff and preferring this outwardly where it's 
it seems like it's just adding fuel to the fire where it's like you're you're putting these women against each other because of these comments because like we said if white people only prefer white people in school that's what we grow up as and i still i feel like it's very similar as dark-skinned people only preferring light-skinned people and i feel like that makes us more negative to the people that didn't really say anything i'm not saying it doesn't happen and, and it's super fucked up that it that it does but i also don't agree with the stereotype of like someone just being like oh you think you're better than everyone else and it's like wait i, I literally didn't say anything that you're saying that because someone else said that about you if that makes sense yeah it makes sense and i get what you're saying i get what you're saying (laughs) i think think it's definitely both i think that there are some light-skinned women who have it in their head that they are pretty because they're light-skinned because that is what the world has told them i definitely think that that is a thing 100 percent. and i think that a lot of other times there are other people Darker skin men, darker skin people who are like, I prefer light skin. I think I think we're but it's all. Also, up. Let's not also forget just like light skin men too, who will yeah. only date light skin people. Um yeah, that's true. So it's like this whole I mean at and the end up from it. Right. And exactly. Like you're all just at the end of the day, just like fucked up. And it's it's just like, um, but I think like my frustration and it and it, you do feel bad too, because I mean like my mom she'll swear she's dark sorry zan <laughs> love you um but she is she, in our family she is the lightest um and i i'm thankful that she is my mom because i never felt an insecurity around being dark like i always grew up feeling like my dark skin was beautiful and she made sure to tell me that she loved my skin and you know i thought it was interesting because she would always go to the beach and she this is a black woman she'd bring tanning lotion because she wanted to get some more color in her and i think that was just like a great image um to just be like to have around me but you know but growing up in seeing um, also she's just like a beautiful woman. So that, that like having a beautiful light skinned mom and being dark and not feeling like you're, you're pretty is kind of really hard. And I felt sometimes like I would take it out on her. Um, but it's just like the frustration of like, I feel beautiful. Like I, I feel beautiful. And my mom and like my mom's telling me my immediate family are telling me I'm beautiful, but everyone, everything else around me is telling me like, I'm not beautiful. And so it was never, I never wanted to be lighter skinned or white. I just wanted the fucking privilege (laughs) that came along with being light. And I just couldn't, I couldn't really, and I still can't really like correlate that stuff. And then you see that perpetuated in like your adulthood where it's like, I will see myself like, I mean, like growing up when I started to like pay attention more to boys and like who they were attracted to, I would notice that my lighter black skin friends seem to get more attention. And then sometimes, you know, when a guy did show me attention, it didn't make sense to me. Cause I'm like, you, why would you like me? Or like, you know, especially if you was lighter, I was like, that certainly doesn't make fucking sense. Like why, like, where is this attraction coming from? And so I think you, I, for at least for me, I've, had to like kind of like dig up these like feelings and like analyze certain things um and so i don't know where i started with this and where i was trying to go but we yeah. were talking about how you felt some type of aminosity yeah and whatever yeah. to your mother um, <laughs> i can't talk today i'm sorry <laughs> you, you 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 internalize that stuff and i think sometimes like you unfairly put that against certain people and then i think sometimes like i'm unfairly harsh on myself too because like i'll um 
I'll notice I don't date that many people. <laughs> um, but I've noticed that the guys that I have dated have been a little bit lighter. No, I shouldn't say a little bit, but they've been lighter than me. And I'm like, is this an internalized, like, is, am I like, have I, have I internalized a colorism sense? And is this like perpetuating itself in my dating life? Is this why I've only happened to date lighter people? Or is it because it's only lighter people who are, you know, approaching me? I don't. That's what I was saying. I don't know. I look at my own dating history. And a lot of the time, the men that I am more attracted to the men that I date are darker skin. So I'm sitting here looking at myself like, is this a part of colorism? Is is this some type of messaging within myself where I feel like as a lighter skin woman, I need to date someone darker than me? Or is it just a coincidence? Mm-hmm. I think you I think you have to be like a little less harsh on yourself too though, because I think it's like at the end of the day, like the main stories that we are all black. So I think Yes. If I think if, if there's an issue, if, if you can really pinpoint like, hey, I'm doing this to compensate because I feel some type of way. So I'm going to date only dark skinned people. Or if like the other way around, if dark skinned men are just like, hey, I just like lighter skinned women. That's problematic. But I think if it comes down to like you just happen to like this guy and he happens to be light and he happens. I think it's so hard to find love in this world that I, I would hate that we were like kind of shitting on ourselves for like once we find it oh it's, this is problematic because x y and z yeah well it's not like i'm gonna like happen to date a light-skinned person and be like i'm gonna stop dating you because you're light-skinned and this is like me like you know like this is me perpetuating or whatever but i think it's more so like just analyzing it and being aware of like this might be a thing and also that like i do believe that like unconscious bias is just as harmful as conscious bias so i think there's just like a level of reflection that is required in it that I, th- I get that. Um, but I think as long as you can, you realize, Hey, this isn't an issue or you're like, Hey, I did it 15 people and all of them are like one color above Mayo, then that's a problem. But you know, if not, <laughs> I, I think it's fine, but I know we wanted to talk about um, the own clip that has been surfacing on Twitter with, I think it's Black Love, right? That's yeah. a documentary or something. I think it's the fourth season, maybe? Uh, yeah. You could tell we did research. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it, it, in the trailer, it's very problematic because it's all these couples with very, very, very... I mean, they're light. Like, I was like, damn. They're lighter than me. Like, they're really light. And they're dating, like, all darker-skinned men, which is... It, it, it was just odd. It, it was a little uncomfortable. And then there's a clip going around with um, this woman who's light skinned and she has a dark skinned daughter. And the daughter's bringing up how everyone in the family, you know, that the men are dark, the women are light. And it's, you know, a problem. And the, the women, the mom is just very defensive. And it, it's very upsetting to see her just not listen to her daughter um and her daughter is so young that she sees colorism at such a young age and she's bringing it up to her mom and her mom is just not getting it and it's just very upsetting one that own would just like not see that this is an issue like you're black i'm sure black it's a black production company or black people were on this project and obviously people weren't going to take it well that it was just these very 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 light women and these you know on the other shade side dark dark men but um i think people just really want to see dark women get some love in media and dark women be chosen you know especially by people that look like them and i think it's just very odd that we're still having this conversation in in 2020 where we're not seeing the dark-skinned women be the center of attention or the one that's getting the love 
So yeah, if you guys wanted to comment on that uh, clip. that Watching that clip really actually broke my heart because there's really a part, it, it starts off talking about body image and how the teenage girl is really like, am I attractive? Am, you know, am I? And of course her mom is basically like, you look like me, so of course you're attractive, which one, not really helpful. But then she continues by saying, well, I also wonder if it's because I'm dark skin, like all of my light skin friends are seem to be chosen first. And she even pointed to her mom and was like, you know, you're light skin, daddy's dark skin. So, and her mom just keeps on kind of disagreeing with her. And that just hurt to watch because I can only imagine being that age. And, and personally, obviously I am light skin, but I did grow up feeling unwanted by men. Um, and I can only imagine having that conversation with my mom and pointing to these very glaringly obvious things for me. And then my mom saying, well, no, no. And it's like, mommy, I still go to school with white boys who don't want to date me. I still feel ugly because of that. And I can only imagine that being a different situation where it's like my skin tone. They're like, yeah, I definitely had to, to wake up to that, too. I mean, in high school, no one wanted me because you're just black in, in a white town. So that's just nobody. But in terms of like college, I was getting a little more attention, attention. And then I did like realize like, oh, a lot of it, you know, it probably would be harder if I did have darker skin. And I do feel like with when white people like approach me, I do have to question like, is it that I want to try a black girl and you, you know, are one shade you know, not dark. So you're not intimidating. So I could just like try you out and just say like, Oh, I tried a black girl or I dated a black girl. And you could just like kind of feel those things where it's like, I don't know if you, you like me because of me, I think I'm just like something on your bucket list or, um, you know, that type of thing. And it's, it's definitely internalizing or like in, in work, it's like, would you still treat me the same way if I had darker skin? I definitely had to like reckon with that um, after college because I've, I've started to see it a little more and be aware of it a little more and see how people treat darker skin people and how people are approaching me. Like now I'm very aware of like if someone's approaching me and they comment on my skin or like how they react to certain things or question like would this person really be dating me if I had darker skin? And that's just that's just weird that you even have to do that. Like, I often question the intentions of even black men when they talk to me. I mostly question black men, to be honest, because I, I sadly I do think they're the ones that are very open with the whole light skin thing. Um, and there was a guy I dated, and he was very very dark, and I always like loved his skin color. I never told him that, but I, I thought it was very beautiful that he had very dark skin. And then he actually like had this thing with my friend. It wasn't shady; it was just it was a long time ago. And then she's mixed and very light, so I just. It made me just like question. I'm like, oh wait, I, I I know your dating history, and it's very very like mixed girl light. And then it just made me question if you even like approach me, be, be, like because of the reasons you said, or because you had like some type of type. Um, I think you want to say something. Yeah, I can't feel like if there was multiple parts, but now I can't remember the one that came before. Sorry. No, you're fine. But um, Kia, because Kia had said something about um, her commenting on how like you said you didn't tell him at the moment, but like you really liked his skin. And Janae had asked me something about the other day about how I felt when people commented on my skin color. If like mm-hmm. in like a beautiful, what like no one's ever directly been like, oh, you're ugly, you're dark. But people have been like, you're dark. Um, I'm like, thank you. I I, I know. I'm aware. Um, Sorry, I'm blind. 
Right. That's I, I didn't. I didn't know I was a darker shade. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I've never gotten comments mostly around like outside of like my family about like my skin color being like pretty until I got older and then so it became this weird thing of like 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 I don't know like becoming comfortable with people like now commenting on my skin tone in like a positive light and then also noticing to the way I react when it comes from like maybe this is wrong but like it's almost preferred when darker people are commenting on my skin. Like that feels more, I don't know, like there's a more of a warmth to it and more of like a on the same plane kind of of appreciation. Um, and then sometimes because it's also like, okay, well, going again, I think we're all over analyzers, so we'll look at it. But like there, I think like fetishization or like um, preference can go both ways. It can be like Janae was talking earlier, like, Lighter people can prefer darker people and darker people can prefer lighter people. So sometimes then it's also like when a lighter person comments on my skin color, it's kind of just like, it's, I don't know. I think, I think. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that, but that's interesting. I don't shade you for that though, because to me, I would equate that to, although this is not the same, I say this is not the same, but I would equate this to when a white person compliments something that I'm wearing that's distinctly black. And they say, oh, that looks nice. And there's a small part of me that's like, whereas if it was a black woman who said it, I'd be like, thank you. Which once again, they're not completely the same, but I can, based off of that example in my own head, I can see why you would be like, you know, someone who's darker skin complimenting me. We are a part of the same community of people who understand things, who understand what it is like to have darker skin in this world, as opposed to a lighter skinned person saying that to you, I don't necessarily understand your experiences because I have privilege that you don't have. Right. And I think it also becomes like, you don't want to feel like validate, like, because someone who's lighter said that your skin is beautiful now that it is beautiful. And I think knowing the history of a lot of dark skinned girls struggling to feel like their skin is beautiful, to have another dark skinned girl be like, I love your skin. But that makes it's like a confirmation that she also loves her skin. So it's like a. But I would also hope that you know maybe maybe we do need to see people complimenting more openly like across the black community of just saying like dark skin is beautiful. Um, I would hope that I would add some type of like just positively in general to like the whole colorism thing because I feel like we don't even see that enough. Um, and and I, I would hope it was like genuine and with good intentions and saying like, I like your skin to a dark skin person is definitely a different reaction than I like your skin to a light skin person because I can't see in any way saying I like your skin to a light skin person, how that's a compliment. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like there's so much history with that. Um, but when you say it to a, a darker skin person, I would hope that people have genuine intentions of like really thinking like the skin is beautiful and not in some type of like fetishizing mm-hmm. way. Cause I would just, putting us backwards yeah and but also to go back onto the fetishization thing too and i know keely earlier you were talking about like when dating like especially like if it's not a black person um like there's also that questioning too of like why this i think there's in all dating as a black woman there's always going to be a level of questioning no matter who you're dating whether they're black or white um asian hispanic um but i think there's also like to me too i think i've, I've again i don't date that much I went on some awful dates with a couple of white men in the fall and I had one really traumatizing experience. Um, 
And it was like the whole time feeling like, you know, where you're like, so because lighter people are oftentimes seen being, they're seen as being more palatable. I was, the questioning for me came like, oh, is this, is this man just trying to go all the way and just dump in, like, just jump into the pool full swing? And like, I, am I that um, experiment for that person? Um, so I think it, yeah, there's always just like a fine line of stuff. And I think half of this time goes as like, Amari, you should, you just like tie yourself out by like going back and forth and thinking so deeply on every, like every interaction. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think there's a balance though. And I think it's important. We, unfortunately, we just have a history with colorism in our community that we, we do have to address and have to get past it. Um, but and you I, guys want, oh, sorry. I, I do want to really quickly validate that, Amari. I think you're a smart human being and you constantly talk, like questioning that shows that you're thinking about it, which is a good thing. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, I think we can all think about it um, a little more. I think just doing what we can to uplift like everyone in our community. Um, do we want to go into some social responses? Because we did ask our people some things. Yes, we'll um, bring them in. Do you want to do Twitter first and then Instagram? Or what do you want to do? Yeah, I'll do... I asked this on our so-called Oreos Twitter, and then I asked it on my personal Instagram. So I'll do the Twitter first. Um, I asked, uh, we want to hear your thoughts on colorism in the community when you have seen it and your experiences with it. So someone said, I learned there's a term cry colorism that some light skinned women use to silence dark skinned women, which is sad for me, but I'm also over people being afraid to be considered dark. There's all these people that like light skinned Keisha who ain't even light skinned. <laughs> I don't know who light skinned Keisha is, but <laughs> I'm about to look her up. Yeah, the fact that you have to have light skin in front of your name is just relaxing me. Um, let's see. She said, I asked her to like give a comp, uh, more context to cry colorism because I never heard of that term before. And she said, a light skin YouTuber referred to a dark skin woman as that. Like, we cry colorism and put ourselves in a position to be the least um, good old gaslighting. Uh, next response was, I've always experienced it from guys telling me they secretly like me, but couldn't date me, etc. But I've really taken a look at my family. Most of the married women are light. Most of the men in my family are with women either light or fairer than themselves. And the last comment was, thank you for addressing this topic. I have an interesting perspective. I was raised seeing darker complexion celebrated to be dark brown was an honor as dark women looked as dark women looked less tainted and more pure. I'm having to unlearn my own faulty colorism ideals. All black equals beauty. And I thought that was pretty interesting because we we don't really see that um, comment as much. But to think that people are tainted um, is, is awful because it's not up to them. And like we said, it's because of rape. It's not because they just were like, hey, we're going to infiltrate the race and just make us all light it, it was because they were raped and that is that is toxic and and very disgusting my dumbass is like no key is true I'm a little <laughs> right. that it's tainted or tainted is just I such thought, a strong I, t- the word. word it's a strong word it's a strong word but just looking at my skin tone i'm aware that this came from mixing that probably wasn't always of my ancestors choosing it probably most of it wasn't. Yeah. Almost, if not all. I, I, I don't know all the history. But. Right. I think, and I think it's hard too, because like even, um, so like my, I, 
if you guys don't know, my family's Jamaican. I feel like I say that. Jimmy's always <laughs> like, we Jamaican. Um, but they're, I, again, Jamaicans are like, you know, it's a very, um, you know, they call it like out of, out of many one people. So from that, it's like, there's like a lot of mixed, like mixed people in the country and stuff. Um, and there's like a lot of mixing, I guess, in my family, but I don't know, again, like, because around a certain era, you're always curious about how like certain relationships come about and you're like, was that real? Like, was that really consensual? Like, how did that go? But I do know, like, we have like, you know, we have some Chinese in our family, we have some Lebanese in our family. Um, so it, it, I think, Obviously, I think no matter where in slavery, the raping comes in. Um, I just like don't again, don't know like the history of some some of it, too. Yeah, I just think um, I also think there's a problem with people thinking that light skinned people are less black because that's not up to them. Again, like you said, and I don't think just because you're lighter, it means you're not black. Uh, And that, that goes to the Oreo experience, too, because I think. People are like, oh, you're not really black because you're light. And it's like, I have nothing to do with this. I'm 70. No, I'm thinking like 85% black, according to Ancestry.com. Yeah, you're blacker than me. Yeah, because, I mean, just history. I, like I said, like whatever the white race is, it's because of rape. Um, so I don't think we were just like, let's get a light family. Also, I just want to say I am the lightest person in my family, like by far, so... I think it's interesting to hear how people are like, I'm the only dark skinned person, but I always grew up like the opposite where I was like definitely the one that stuck out. And like when we went on vacation to the Bahamas, like I remember going on the banana boat and this guy like was questioning, like he was like, are you actually part of their family? Like, are, are, are you just here? Or like he was questioning me and it was very upsetting. Cause I'm like, I am black. I'm here with my family. I paid for this vacation. And I just think it's disrespectful that you're going to question if this is my family because I'm like, um, and I think people need to realize that too, because it's not, I, I just don't think it's funny anymore um, to just like question how black tone is because how white they are either. So I just wanted to say that because it does not sit well with me, especially because the history of being light skin. Um, and I asked on Instagram, do you know what colorism means? And only 71% people said yes which I thought was a big percentage. Um, but I think a lot of white people follow me, I guess. So. I was about to say, how many white people follow me? Well, I grew up in a white school, so I'm assuming that no, I would no, have no. to say most of the people probably are white. Okay. But I was just like, damn. And before it was only 60%. I was like, wow, people really don't know. Yeah, so I, I combined the results from my personal Instagram and the, um, the, the Oreos Instagram, and together out of 70 participants, 66 66 knew what colorism meant and only four did not. Um, and I think the, okay. I think the four were white. Um, I would hope they're white though. But I was, I mean, some of them, one, I, I, I don't want to get into like, I think they might've been Hispanic. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. Um, but there were, I was actually surprised by the amount of people from my personal Instagram page who were white that said they knew what colorism was. And I was like, okay education. Um, and then, so for our questions, we asked, when did you start to make sense of colorism and its impact within the community? And so a lot of people said around the age of eight seemed to be like a weird sweet spot for people like elementary school, middle school. Um, we had a few outliers who said they didn't realize until like their late teens, early twenties. So around college, um, 
one person said um, they knew since grade school, they knew that what colorism was before they even knew what racism was. Um, the Latino looking kids, the looser locks, fair complexions got more praise in school and in church. Um, and another person said, I noticed that people were more rude in the summer because I got four to five shades darker. I internalized it and felt more pretty in the winter. Uh, now that I'm older, I see that colorism exists in many POC communities, including Asian and Latinx. Now that I'm in a relationship with, in a serious relationship with an Asian man, my family hopes the kid can pass. Um, and that just just reading that just made me really um Sad, not just for, you know, for her as a kid, but to, you know, even think future wise and what people might think about your child, what they might hope for for that child. Um, Even though for me, children is like far, far, far off. Um, Is she saying they hope the family hopes they pass? I think they're saying, yeah. No, because. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought they were saying like, oh, we hope he passes. Um, Sorry. Okay. No, I think they're just saying uh, because like she's in a relationship with an Asian man that the kid will, you know, be, might be more racially ambi- um, ambiguous. Um, and then another person said, I understood it when I noticed in media that there weren't that many brown slash dark skinned women um, as there were light and mixed women, which is something that we brought up earlier. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was glad for the engagement on Instagram but kind of sad for how, you know, um, just like how particularly for the dark people, how a lot of the stuff was internalized and how early on in their childhood, they noticed these uh, things. And I think what's interesting too, for me, at least personally, is I didn't have a term for colorism. Like I didn't have the, I didn't know what it was, um, but I, I, I could see it. And so I feel like that's also frustrating too. It's like, I can see what's happening, but I don't know the the proper term to label it. Yeah. I, I think personally, I had the same thing where I realized that when I was in white areas, I was treated one way. I was, I was treated like, you know, ugly duckling. But when I was in black areas, I was treated as if I was some prize. And it was constantly like, you're freckles, you're light skin, you're freckles, you're light skin. So for me, it was very weird to go between the two communities and be treated as if I was ugly in one and beautiful as if in in the other. And it was just very weird. And I didn't realize it was colorism until I got a little older too. And the good point is that white people just see you as trash no matter if you light or dark. No, that's a lie. That's a lie because I remember- I I mean, I feel like they still think Negro. It depends on the white person. I distinctly remember when I was like 16 or something, I always like to go on like to antique festivals. My mom and I were at antique fest and I was trying to buy this ring from this man. And he was trying to, he was asking, kept on asking my mom what she was, what she was. And um, she's like, I'm black, I'm Jamaican. He's like, no, but you look, you look um, Hispanic, you look Latino. This is a, this was a white Italian man, I think. And then he turns to me and with a surprising level of disgust. He was like, well, he's like, he's like, he just kept on talking to my mom. He's like, you're so beautiful. Like you, you're, you're, there's something about you. And like, well, you're sure you're, you're black. And he just turns to me, he said, you're just black, but what are you? Wow. And so That's white so people, and also you can't say white people just see black because we also see statistic wise, how dark skinned people are seen versus light-skinned people in the eyes in the eyes of I think white I people that, but i'm saying they still think you're you're black still black but there's even still a hierarchy in the blackness there is a hierarchy in the black but i think i'm, I'm trying to get as with black people trying to 
um, try to be so like accepting of the white race, white people still see you as black and, and you're still black. Like you're, there's no point of like being like, we got to do this for the white people because in the eyes of white people, light skinned people, you are not any better than white people. You're never going to be better than white. I think, I think, I think that's the key distinction is that you're not going to be better than white people. So white people are always going to be better, but still out of black people, you will be the better black person. That's true. But why do we give a fuck about what white people think? Because they're, they're in charge of the job market. <laughs> they're in charge. Yeah, I don't think we should like do things just for white. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do things for white people. I'm saying like statistic wise, if you're going to look at, you know, like who's going to get the job and who's hiring white people are more likely to, to pick a light skin person. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's important to acknowledge. Right. But I, I did acknowledge that at the beginning. Huh? I said, I think we did acknowledge that at the beginning. I wasn't trying to dis not like not say it was a thing. I'm just saying like, I don't think the whole like, we should do this for white approval is, is dumb because whether you're a mixed light or whatever, you're, you're never going to get there. You're just never going to get to that level of privilege. You're still going to be gross. And also universally, like black people are like the, like everyone has to pick one group to universally shit on. And it is always going to be black people. So whether you're Asian culture, Indian culture, Dominican culture, universally, everyone knows that just to be level up, people go around saying, at least I'm not black. And I just think like black people can't do this whole like, oh, well, I'm I'm this, so I'm better than you. But like, ultimately, you're just never going to get there. You're still just a black person and you're never going to have white privilege. And like, yes, there there are some other things, which is problematic in this episode. But um, I, I just don't think white black people should even consider like white approval to be like a status. 100%. I agree with you. And I, I think that's important. And I also think that it's important that we acknowledge that, which we have, like you said, we have, that light-skinned people do have just more privilege in general. They're light-skinned people in this world are closer to white, so therefore just get more. I mean, there were so many times, just so quickly before we wrap up or move on to our other segments, there were so many times where white people told me, like, you're the good black. You're a pretty skin tone. If I was black, I would want to be your skin tone. Like, white people acknowledge that all the time. They, they acknowledge that, I mean, we know we're still never going to touch whiteness. We know that. But they still acknowledge that being lighter skinned, you're more attractive to them than a darker skinned person. To them. And, and yeah, so fuck them because that's yeah. just your standard of whatever is just irrelevant to us. And it should be ir- irrelevant to like our culture, to be honest. Like, the whole like we shouldn't riot because white people I don't care what white people think of us I we never should have cared like yes we need some white things but like internally I don't think our community needs to keep doing this whole like white people will think about that about you if you do this that and the third and it's like how about we focus on what black people think how about we fix the black community and how black people see each other like that's that should be our main focus like we should not live our lives to just have this white approval no matter like where, where we are in life. I just really don't love that whole narrative of like even considering what white people think. I, I mean, I, I'm not, this doesn't make it right, but I say like an ideal world, yes, but it's really hard to do that when a lot of the power in the world is held by white people. And to some extent, you're going to need that approval 
if you want to if you want a job which you need that's to live <laughs> that's fair you're you're 100 right it is like i guess we do have to do that right it's just like you're stuck in this awful system because the system was created by white people that hold the power so then you're always going to be like held against that so i mean that's true i guess like i should say there are some unfortunate situations that we we have but i think if we can fix kind of like the standard of beauty in our our community um i think that should be something that white people don't have approval of because you know we should be thinking of like internally with that. And unfortunately with jobs, you're right. We, you know, white people do have most of the jobs and stuff, but hopefully that just means our community can elevate black people into positions of power and, and we can no longer have to only do stuff for white people. Black people could be making those decisions too. Yeah. Um, should we move on to Rachel's segment? Yes, we need some healing. Heal us. Um, so my therapist recommended an audiobook for me to listen to titled Men, Women, and Worthiness by Brene Brown. Um, this audiobook tackled what we feel when we are ashamed and how we can deal with shame in a healthy way. Brene Brown defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, something we've experienced done or failed to do that makes us unworthy of connection. We felt shame at some point in our lives. I believe it is important for us to stop believing the lies that we tell ourselves because it causes us to remain stagnant and tampered with our self-esteem. Shame can make us feel trapped and powerless. Brene also points out that shame triggers vary between individuals and cultures. For example, appearance and body image, sexuality, family, motherhood, parenting, professional identity and work, mental and physical health, aging, religion, speaking out, and surviving trauma. So here are a few tips to help with overcoming shame using the shame resilience theory. One, recognizing the personal vulnerability that led to the feelings of shame Two, recognizing the external factors that lead to that's sorry, that led to the feelings of shame. Three, connecting with others to receive and offer empathy. And four, discussing and deconstructing deconstructing the feelings of shame themselves. To close, the shame resilience theory is being able to recognize that shame needs to be acknowledged and understood before it can be overcome. That is all for Time to Talk Mental Health. For my segment, um, Judy writes, Hey guys, I love the show and I love you guys. I'm writing in this week because I saw your episode was about colorism and had a question about it. My brother always says he doesn't want to date someone who is darker than him. We are fairly chocolatey in skin tone. How do I tell him he's being dumb? You know, I feel like y'all are going to have to make to an argument about this. To just be completely honest, and I think that you have to ask him 
the very difficult question. First off, just asking questions like, why? Why don't you want to date someone darker than you? And I think you need to figure out a way to get to the root of him possibly not liking his own skin tone. Um, I don't necessarily believe that you can boil it down to preference um, and just say, you know, I prefer someone whiter than me. Um, I think that color is too nuanced in our society to just say that it's preference. So I think that you need to ask your brother questions to get him to think, to dig deeper into why he doesn't like um, dating darker than him. Yeah, I think that's a good point to just ask, like, what, like, so you're not coming off as, like, defensive. Yeah. Like, right off the bat, you could just be like, why is it that you prefer darker skin women? I mean, lighter skin women. And he might just be like, oh, shit, I didn't even know, like, you know, why this is problematic. Like, you might just be helping him get to, like, that point of realizing that that's just such an ignorant statement. Um, and if he doesn't get there, you should be like, that's super problematic. Um, and then play him this episode. <laughs> or or you can say whatever you want, but, you know, just, you know, help us out with the plays. But you can just be like, yeah, that's problematic because X, Y, and Z, and you could give in to your own, and own words, and hopefully he'll be more receptive since you're a sibling. Um, but I do think it's important to address it because I think, like we said on the show, we're responsible for the people we keep in our, our camp. And I think if we have people saying, you know, statements like that, it is our duty to at least address them and hopefully get them to realize that that's problematic. Yeah, and I think maybe even sharing your own experiences um, when you've been dating, if you've had them, um, sharing personal experiences that you've had can maybe even make him see that, wow, this is an issue that has affected my sister, someone that I love and care about. Wow, maybe I should look at my own actions and how me rejecting darker-skinned women or refusing to date darker-skinned women, maybe that has hurt someone like my sister. Um, so I think that could be a good way to, to bring it home as well. And that's going to be like a, a reason why you're dating someone. Like, what about their values? You know, like, do you guys share and have common interests? So if, if, if you're just looking at, if you're just looking at someone to date just because of their skin tone, then that's a problem right there. And it's, it has to be deeper than that. Because if you, if you want to be in a relationship with someone, you want it to last. So you have to look at their values as well, who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the fact that, you know, outward appearance is one of the top things. I'm not going to lie and say like physical attraction is not a big factor in who you date. It is, but I feel like the um, intense level in which we, you know, give physical appearance and relationships is kind of, well, it's not kind of, it's problematic, but also like, um, I just just feel sad for your brother. Sorry if that sounds like harsh, but um, I, I honestly just, that just makes me feel sad. And I think it may be approaching it from the level of like, how does he even view himself? Like, how does he feel in the way, you know, he's been received and, you know, maybe approaching it from like his own internal healing process. Um, Cause I think that's clearly I would, I'm curious how your brother feels about himself, whether he feels he's attractive, whether he feels he's like wanted and valuable. Um, Honestly, I feel like the answer is no, because I think if you're making statements like that, there must be some type of internal thing 
as to why you're reflecting that. Right. And so I think it's um, just like him maybe acknowledging it or like trying to dissect that himself. Um, And yeah, again, you have to, you just like have to have these conversations now. I don't, I'm not going to assume like everyone wants a kid um, because I know there are people who don't and I don't know whether your brother is one of those people, but I feel like all of us need to do some serious, serious healing before we have children um, and just put all of these issues on them. Um, One thing that like I think about as a dark skinned woman is um, (laughs) if I do end up with someone who is lighter than me and I have a kid that's lighter than me, how, how am I going to, you know, make sure I deal with my own internal um, things, you know, that I felt towards light people sometimes. And how am I going to fix that before I have a kid who's potentially lighter than me and make sure I don't take any of that anger or resentment out on that child. Um, so I think that's just something that we all need to like, again, it's a long process and who knows if we're going to be ready. <laughs> uh, it's going to be done by the time we have kids. But I think if you're going to procreate, time to start doing some massive healing from now. I think our generation is definitely doing a better job with the bloomers now, though. I feel like our generation is is like, okay, it's time to address these problems now instead of past generations that just didn't talk about things, that were just afraid of disrespecting people and they just stayed quiet. And I think we're our generation is a lot more awake about those things. But anyway. Get some therapy, peeps. I'm in it. <laughs> Same here. Also, I just want to say I checked our Instagram and 408 people liked the real with Amari in her hair. That's a, that's a big, it's a big like. Yeah, we got some views, guys. We're doing yeah. fun things on the Instawebs. Come join us. us. Yeah, check us out. You don't want to miss Amari's reels. It's 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 actually a hit, guys. It's a hit. We're kind of a big deal. We're kind of a big deal. <laughs> We're doing things. Um, yeah. So thanks for tuning in with us this week for this episode. Follow us as we said on all social media. I think social sorry guys my lisp came out a bit um social media at so-called oreos and you can email us at so-called oreos at gmail.com also please help us out and fill out our new survey which isn't actually new it's kind of old um but we just want to see what you guys think and how we can better shape the show for you so make sure to listen to us on soundcloud itunes spotify and google play and please please remember to like rate subscribe and leave a review until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.